0: Welcome back into another quick timeout podcast. I am Coach Tony Miller, and on this episode, I'm joined by Coach John DeMarco. Many of you may know Coach DeMarco from his weekly Get Better Basketball Coaching Twitter chats. Coach DeMarco is a proven winner and has some great coaching advice. To this date, this was one of my favorite conversations, and I think the coaches at every level will glean something from his wisdom and experience. Before we start, thanks to our sponsors at 323 Sports. If you're looking for a sports team dealer, you'll want to connect with the people at 323 Sports. Uniforms, equipment, coaching gear, and more. They have everything you need to run your athletic program. To find out more, visit 323sports.com. Now on to today's interview with Coach John DeMarco. Really excited to have Coach John DeMarco as today's guest. Coach, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Coach. Excited to uh, talk hoops, and any chance I get an opportunity to do so, uh, I'm all in.
0: To start things off, you you want to tell people kind of where you've been, a little bit about your background, and then also uh, what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, you know, I've, I've coached basketball for about 18 years, uh, right when I graduated high school, um, when I was playing college football, I went back to my old school, and I helped out in the wintertime when I was home from school and I coached the summer league team. And, uh, right when I graduated college, I got a job as the head JV basketball coach. And since then I've, um, you know, coached boys and girls, JV varsity basketball. I've, I've done a little bit of AAU basketball and, um, you know, most recently I've started working players out, um, individually, I've taken a step back from coaching in high school cause I'm, I'm an administrator now and I have, uh, three kids. I have a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and a a newborn who's uh, just a little under a month old now. So it'd be a little tricky to uh, do the, uh, you know, team coaching, but doing the individual workouts really gives me a great opportunity to um, still be involved. And then obviously working with the uh, chat to get better basketball chat or the BB chat uh, as going by the hashtag has given me opportunity to stay in touch with a lot of coaches. And um, so that's that's my basketball background. And then I coached football for about 10, 11 years. I played college football and, uh, you know, had had a pretty good run in football. I went to the Super Bowl. Uh, my next to last year coaching ended up losing. I uh, got to play at Gillette Stadium, which was pretty cool. And then uh, in terms of basketball, my last year, we went to the state semifinals um, before we ended up losing in a pretty exciting basketball game. So I've had a lot of lot of different experiences. And, uh, you know, now I love love what I do working with players
0: and uh, and, uh, coaches as well. How has coaching other sports helped you just in general and then specifically as a basketball coach?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think about my experience coaching football and, you know, football is kind of, you know, that unique sport. You have 11 players and you're trying to get them all to work together, you know, at, at one time. So I just, I think with football, just the attention to detail, you know, is something that's helped me as a basketball coach, but just in general as well, you know, and the amount of time you have to put in to be successful. I think that's, you know, really any sport, but um, I think football is, is, is right up there. And, I think game planning, um, you know, I was an offensive coordinator when I coached football and, um, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into that. So I think that helped me a lot. And, uh, you know, thinking about basketball, um, I think it made me a better defensive coach. It's kind of interesting because, you know, coaching offense and football, but I'm kind of a defensive minded coach in basketball and just the game plan, the attention to detail, the nuances of the opponent and kind of knowing all the details and everything that they do. So I think that really helped. And then probably uh, something that's, you know, unique for basketball coaches is the way I really delegated to my um, assistant coaches. That's kind of typical for football. where you have an offensive and defensive coordinator and uh, you know, with basketball, I, I, I really tried to do that as much as I could with my assistant coaches. We even went as far as to have an assistant who just focused on rebounding and um, you know, that was something that, you know, I, I share with other coaches that worked really well for us and helped us um, as a team that wasn't the biggest team um, to really make rebounding a, an emphasis and a priority for our team. And that's something I kind of got from football, thinking about, you know, the running backs coach, the receivers coach, the pass game coordinator, you know, how could we uh, be a better rebounding team? And that was something that, that we ended up doing. So those are some things that come to mind. But, you know, I think um, there's a lot that transfers from basketball to football that made me a better football coach too.
0: Aside from what you already mentioned, do you feel like there's anything that maybe basketball coaches could be doing better or learn from from football coaches, maybe specifically to like dealing with the players or um, how they interact with players at all?
1: You no, know, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, with football, you have such an emphasis on Um, you know, those position coaches, the receivers coach and the running backs coach. And I think those coaches really build uh, strong relationships with, you know, the players that are their position and they kind of have their own individual identity. Um, And I think we tried to do a little bit of that with basketball. You know, that's one thing that obviously comes to mind. But, you know, I think there's a lot that kind of crosses over between football and basketball. And like I said, I think there's some things, um, you know, in basketball, that that you know made me a better football coach, and and, and vice versa.
0: You talked about the get better basketball chats, and uh, we can talk more about those in just a few moments. But how how did you get started even doing those?
1: So when I uh, when I decided to stop coaching uh, basketball, my son was born, and I coached uh, through that season, and I decided to take a step back. I'm a, a school administrator as well, so that's obviously pretty time consuming. Um, I got into doing some individual uh, player development and I started to um, utilize Twitter. And, you know, I was doing both football and basketball and kind of talking to a lot of coaches and I started to do a question of the week for football and I started to do it for basketball as well. And there's some great football chats that are out there. The hog football chat is one of them that I've I followed and I saw that they kind of made it, you know, unique and that they... Um, each week had a, a chat for an hour and it got me thinking, you know, with basketball, I didn't really see anything that was out there. And it would give me a great opportunity to keep keep up with the game and keep learning from all the great coaches out there and, you know, maybe share, um, you know, some of the things that I've learned because I, you know, I try to watch as much uh, basketball and, and football too, but as much basketball as I can and, you know, try to learn from uh, coaches who, put stuff out there on, on uh, Twitter. Like, you know, I look at Fast Model and I know you contribute for them and you put some great stuff out there, coach. And I've learned a lot from those guys and Radius Athletics and so many other great coaches. So I thought the chat would be a nice, nice way to kind of bring everybody together and, um, you know, give people an opportunity to share, share as much as possible. And uh, it's, it's worked out pretty well so far.
0: I believe I saw just a few weeks ago that you said that you've been doing it now for over a year. That's, that's a long time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, kind of taking pride in, uh, you know, doing it every single week. I know with some of the other chats, um, you know, during the season, because they're still kind of in the trenches with their individual teams, they take a step back, but trying to bring value, um, you know, to coaches, um, you know, during the season and come up with some topics that can be relevant and helpful for, you know, coaches at that time. And then obviously in the off season as well. So, um, you know, we're up to about 54 straight weeks on uh, Wednesday nights that we've done it. And I'm hoping I can uh, keep that streak going. It's it's grown quite a bit over the last year. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I love it just because I get a chance to talk basketball with other coaches. And as I keep saying, there there are so many great people out there that um, everyone from youth coaches to high school and college and that have and, and the trainers too, the player development trainers that share as well, that have so much uh, knowledge of the game and, um, I, I think there's so much to learn that uh you know I'm excited every week to to host it
0: with fifty four weeks we could probably talk just about anything basketball but what are two or three things that either have stimulated your thinking or maybe even caused you to change how you coach
1: yeah i mean you know i I think the biggest thing that's you know um from the beginning of the chat to now that really has resonated with me is really the use of uh small side of games or a games based approach to coaching and I think it's something that coaches had done for a long time, but I feel like um, the specifics now and some of the, uh, the small side of games that coaches have, have shared and how it really kind of breaks the game down for players. And you're using live situations to teach decision-making. Um, that's definitely something that has, um, you know, really resonated with me over the, you know, the course of the last year. And um, we've, we've had a couple of chats that have included that are, our, our, Thirty third week, I actually just recently shared a blog out on this. um, Was about incorporating SSGs in the practice, and there was a lot of great ideas from coaches on on you know ways that um, you know you to break down different parts of the game that that you might not think about you know. And then I think the other thing that really um, has stuck with me over the last year is really finishing. Um, You know, I think for a long time, I think about when I started coaching, it was you know teaching players layups and you know um even layups with contact and now it's really about finishing at the rim and it's more than just making a layup it's all the different angles and different shots and you know stride stops and hop steps and just different ways to finish around the rim and how to incorporate that into you know live situations one on one situations or two on two and um, you know, help players react to different scenarios. So those are two things that, that really stuck with me. But one of the, the chats that probably was the most, um, you know, interesting for me, we talked about using and playing against junk defenses. And it's funny because I think that was like a 31st or maybe 32nd week of the chat. And, you know, for a long time, um, you know, I was kind of that coach. I played half court man, full court man, pressed Um, And I wasn't really, you know, I thought if you had to use a junk defense, it wasn't, you know, you weren't maybe doing a good enough job teaching man to man or there there was something you could have done better. And it was interesting because then I see Toronto go to it in the playoffs. And that was something I put out there in that week's chat. And it it really got me thinking about it differently. And, you know, I, I have used it a little bit in the past, but there was some great insight from coaches and even some college coaches that, you know, thought about, There's times when you have to use certain defenses and they could be to your advantage. And so it, it was interesting because there was still those coaches who were like, nope, I'm not using it. I'm dead set against it. And, you know, that was, you know, one side of it and then other coaches who use it. Um, and then of course, you know, how do you play against when teams, you know, in high school, you know, you get that box and one or that triangle and two on your players. And sometimes that can throw you for a loop. So, uh, coaches shared out a lot of different videos and suggestions for what they've done that's helped them to be successful against those defenses. So that was kind of a, a unique one that, um, you know, brought a lot of answers and a lot of coaches together. And, of uh, course some, uh, you know, some debates as well.
0: Yeah. I just saw just the other night, I believe I was watching Houston and saw, somebody triangle and twoing against uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And I guess I'll box and one, two the other night against somebody. So yeah, those are uh, all three of those very good topics that maybe I can dive into a little bit later on another podcast. So a lot of this that you're talking about is really just coach development. And I've participated in quite a few and, sometimes I'm just a Twitter lurker. I'm just watching the, the conversations that you guys are having. But for that younger coach who's out there or even a coach you know, like myself, who's trying to get better on a regular basis, what would you say maybe are some fundamental skills that especially a younger coach uh, needs to focus on maybe either before they become a head coach or, or while they're getting an opportunity to build their resume uh, at a younger age?
1: Yeah, and you know, that's that's a great question. And, you know, I was that coach at one time and I'm I'm sure you were as well. And um, you know, I, I think about at, at that age, you know, obviously building relationships with players and I do think that's something for a younger coach that does come natural, but really like the the significance of it. You hear veteran coaches talk about how it's all about the relationships and how important that is um, in coaching and how that's something you take with you for years to come. Everyone from pro and division one coaches all the way down talk about that. So I think, um, you know, helping those coaches to understand how important it is to build those relationships and how you can really motivate players, you know, in unique ways when you have, um, you know, those great relationships with them. And, you know, I think Um, another thing that comes to mind for younger coaches is really the communication aspect, you know, of coaching, because, you know, I, I think, um, that's something that takes time and, you know, it's not just communicating with players, um, you know, kind of speaking to youth and high school coaches. I think you have to communicate with, with the, you know, school, the administration, the community, the parents. Um, so I think a lot more goes into coaching obviously than just those X's and O's. And I think sometimes when you're a young coach, you're very excited to jump in and and teach us a certain drill or SSG, or you're going to be a great offensive or defensive coach. But there's those things that maybe those younger coaches don't think about, like communication or building relationship with players, you know, that, that, that might not, you know, they might not consider. And then I think the other thing that, you know, I kind of picked up over the years was really the importance of having core values in your program, um, this is something that you know, we developed as a team, and we really we had you know a day of the week that was dedicated to our different core values. we had it on our shirts and we, we really built an identity around around that and our, our pressure defense um, kind of that identity goes hand in hand with those core values and um, you know, college programs definitely talk about it, but I feel like you don't hear a lot about that. If you go on Twitter and social media, you see the trainers sharing different moves that they do with players. And, you know, you see a lot of different offensive sets on there and maybe a little bit of defense, but you don't hear as as much conversation about things like core values and team building, uh, which would be another one, communicating relationships Coaches talk about it, but you don't get as much insight into it. So those are some things I probably would share with a younger coach. And then obviously, you know, you get into the X's and O's and, you know, it depends. I think everyone has kind of different philosophies on that. But communication, relationships, the core values, your identity as a program, I think, you know, you have to have those things if you're going to, you know, do this long for a long time. And if you're going to be successful, Um, you know, and then the X's and O's obviously, you know, kind of take care of themselves. But that identity and those core values, I think, really establish your program.
0: And this is kind of a broad question, but um, the topic of game management, kind of changing gears to talk about a little bit of those X's and O's, but it doesn't have to be plays. It could be, you know, calling timeouts or anything like that. But just hearing from a coach who's uh, done it for a long time, I think this is a topic that really any coach of any age can always benefit from. But do you have any tips or suggestions, or mistakes you've made, or best practices? Anything that would be helpful in relationship to game management?
1: Yeah, that that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously that's something for a young coach that uh, you kind of got to be in in the fire, so to speak, and you kind of learn on the fly. And hopefully they get a chance to be an assistant and learn from a experienced uh, head coach in that regard. But you know, I I think it's different how people uh, manage the game. I've I've coached and been an assistant for coaches who won't call timeouts. I've been, uh, you know, they they really try to hang on to them for whatever reason. And that's not really been my philosophy. I, you know, I, I, if I, if I need to use them, I will use them. Um, And I've seen coaches that will call timeouts like very rapidly. So, you know, I try to keep a balance when it comes to that stuff. But I think one of the things that, um, you know, I picked up along the way, Um, that's kind of unique, you know, obviously using timeouts when the opponent makes a run, but there's been a couple of games where, um, you know, we've had a little bit of a lead and, you know, maybe eight or 10 points and the opponents chipped away a little bit. And I think, um, I might've jumped in and called a timeout pretty quickly. You know, something I learned from, uh, some veteran coaches, specifically high school coaches actually, um, you know, was kind of catch, catch a good moment. Maybe you get a little momentum back, you come back down, you hit a three, then you take that time out and it's more of a positive for your team. Obviously, the other team made a run, but you've had a chance to respond and make a three-pointer. And, you know, it's more of a positive thing. And, um, you know, there's times where the team makes a run and you have to call a time out and you have to kind of stop the bleeding, so to speak. But, you know, knowing your team and kind of having that veteran group that can kind of respond, then you take a timeout, you regroup, you make a minor adjustment that you need to make and you come back out there. From a game management perspective, that was something I picked up on. And then, you know, I think the other thing, you know, for me was was really practicing those situations uh, as much as possible in practice and thinking about how those would transfer, you know, into the game. So we really tried to put the kids in situations where you know, there's X amount of time left and both teams are in the one and one and neither team has a timeout. And, you know, so players have to learn to make decisions and adjust on the fly. And then, you know, we would coach them up afterwards and talk to them and then we might run it back a second time. And, Putting players in those positions um, made me a better game manager because I really had to think about what I would do in practice and coach the players ahead of time. And, you know, I found that when we got into games, you know, I would I could make those decisions a lot more comfortably than if I hadn't gone through that, you know, that situation. And, um, you know, one other one other thing that kind of comes to mind just as a piggyback off that we were in a, a state semifinal game. And um, it, we were down actually pretty big early in the game. We, we came all the way back. We ended up winning uh, at the end of the game. Um, it was pretty, pretty exciting, you know, experience. But we scored uh, late. We got fouled. We, we hit a free throw. And there was maybe about, I don't know, 12 seconds left in the game. And I took a timeout. And, you know, that's not always typical, um, you know, from coaches. Usually it's the, uh, you know, the offense that might take that timeout. But I just knew from having scouted this team and, you know, kind of knowing my own team that we really had to like get organized. We had to set up what we wanted to do defensively and try to dictate the tempo of this next possession with a pressure defense, and I also knew that this team had two great players that could just get the ball in chaos, and they could hit those those crazy, you know, game-winning shots. So, you know, I called a timeout in that situation, which might have been a little bit unorthodox, but you know, I knew my team, and you know, some of that goes back to practice, and some of that goes back to, you know, what I kind of had learned over the years as a coach. So you know, that's another thing that comes to mind, you know, in a situation where, again, I think the offense usually would call timeouts there. But I felt like it was an advantage for us to have a set defense rather than have that chaotic possession where the offense was running around with two great players. And, you know, it ended up working out in our favor. But, um, you know, it probably made me look better that it did work out that way but i was i was pretty confident you know that 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 was best for our team however you know however the chips were going to fall in that situation
0: so as people listen to this they can obviously tell that you've had a lot of experience and i like to ask this of our coaches who have done this for a while but if you had you know one piece of advice that you could give to your younger self what would it be
1: that's that's a good question and that's something actually that i have you know, I've thought about now that I've kind of been removed from it for a couple of years. And one of the things that I think really comes to mind for me is, you know, not over coaching. I'll never forget. And I was playing college football. Uh, I was play- I played at Merrimack College Division Two. Uh, my coach, Jim Murphy, at the time, he had played for the New England Patriots as a quarterback. And he was about 27, 28 years old, young, up and coming coach. We were running a a pattern, a double post pattern, and one of them is called the handshake post. I won't get into all the details with the basketball coaches out there, but I'll never forget, he he looks at the receiver's coach, and he says, don't overcoach it. He's got to cut across the safety's face, and that's it, and that's going to open up the deep pass. And he kept saying to him, don't overcoach it. And, you know, I took that with me from him, and I thought about what that means in basketball, and I think about sort of where the game has gone now, with kind of more of a free-flowing style, I was a I was a dribble-drive coach, which you know predicated a lot on you know the players learning decisions in practice, and then me having confidence and faith in them during the game that they were going to make those decisions, and me not overcoaching it. I think as a young coach, sometimes you hang your hat on. I'm going to run these sets and the players are going to do everything I tell them and they're going to execute it. uh, You know, everything from the way they pivot to the way they pass. And um, I do see that a lot with young coaches and I, you know, I would tell them, you know, not to overcoach. And, you know, I was that young coach and I came in and, you know, I had my sets that I was running and, you know, as I, I, learned and, and you know, over the years, I, I I gave up a lot more control to the players and I really entrusted them to make decisions. And for me, it became a lot more about teaching kids how to play basketball and how to make decisions. I mean, we ran some sets, but, um, you know, that free flow and style, I think a lot can be said about that because if you look at a lot of the possessions and the sets that are running games, I think a lot of times it comes down to the end of the shot clock or, you know, there's chaos or there's transition opportunities. And, I really wanted to teach players to, you know, to make decisions on their own and and really try to support them in practice and then have confidence in them in game. So, you know, I would tell my younger self to, uh, you know, let go a little bit, you know, maybe loosen up. And um, I think that's probably a lot of younger coaches, hopefully, that, that, you know, listen to this podcast and, you know, hesitate to maybe give up some of that control and, you know, teach that decision making in practice. And, you know, and I think the other thing, That probably comes to mind, you know, for me is you know how you utilize your assistant coaches. If it's a young varsity coach, you know, really getting the most of them. It doesn't have to be all about you. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, You can get a lot out of your assistants. And you know, my my brother uh, Rich, who's actually a little bit older than me, and coached me when I was younger was one of my assistants and he was amazing. He was a great player development coach and I learned so much from him. And my other, my other assistant coach, Danny was also uh, a great, great coach and he did a lot with rebounding. So I gave up a lot of that control to those coaches. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of the common theme is that, you know, it's okay to let go a little bit and, uh, you know, give people opportunity, the players to be successful, their decision making in games, as long as you're coaching them up in practice. And then your assistant coaches, um, you know, really getting the most out of them and having confidence in in their abilities. And it's a lot easier that way than trying to do everything on your own. Um, And you'll find that you can get so much out of those assistant coaches if you use them correctly.
0: All of this has been fantastic, but I want to be mindful of your time. But Where can coaches connect with you and maybe even jump in on the chats that you have?
1: Yeah, so every Wednesday night, we have the the, the hashtag is GBETBBChat, and that started, like I said before, a year ago, and coaches can certainly uh, chime in on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, it's a great opportunity, and I think sometimes coaches hesitate a little bit to uh, – you know, chime in. There's a lot of great coaches that that share, um, you know, uh, like yourself, uh, who has shared, Tony, and I I appreciate, you know, your perspective as a college coach, obviously. So I think sometimes coaches hesitate, but I think there's a lot of youth coaches that follow. There's high school and college coaches as well. So I think there's an audience, you know, that's pretty wide range. So I encourage coaches to come on and, you know, share their perspective. And you, you really can't be wrong. You might get some healthy debating on different topics, but, you know, I think it's it's really good to get a lot of different perspectives. And then, you know, I share videos uh, on Monday night of different plays and different scenarios on a, um, a series that I've kind of um, titled Focused, um, where I try to focus in for like two minutes on a, a certain offensive set or defensive set or whatever it might be. Um, and share that out with coaches. And then, you know, hoping to kind of get into the podcast game down the road. That's kind of like my next step for this year, but trying to focus on the chat and some of the videos. And um, I've been getting a lot of DMs from coaches too, which has been interesting. Not something I expected uh, when I started out a year ago uh, with the chat and really with Twitter about a year and a half ago. Uh, It's been amazing connecting with coaches. I've done phone conferences and I'm willing to do that with coaches and I'm not charging anything right now. You know, maybe, maybe someday it, it leads to that. But for me, it's really not about that. It's about really trying to share and grow the game with, with great coaches who are out there and if something more comes out of it down the road. That's great. But, um, those are just some different things, and I, I encourage coaches to join the chat, check out my videos, and then obviously uh, reach out to me on DMs. I'm getting a bunch every day and I try to get back to coaches within a couple of days and even high school coaches asking you know about advice on games they have later in the week, I try to get back to them or I try to put it out on Twitter as a um, you know as a question for other coaches to give some feedback on as well. So those are a couple ways to uh, you know communicate with me and hopefully, Um, hopefully coaches like this, uh, this, this podcast and, uh, you know, that'll help to grow the game a little bit too.
0: Please do take advantage of these resources. The chats are great. I like them because, you know, you, even if you miss out on them, they're all right there to go back and look at, and you can literally spend probably hours going back and scrolling back through those. And then, um, even your videos, this last, uh, you did it, I believe it was last night, the one with the press offense, the press breaks. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've actually got a couple of, um, couple of coaches who reached out, um, having trouble with pressure defenses youth in high school actually. And, um, you know, it's funny because I always try to tell them like and and I, I know you know this, especially as a college coach, it's like it's not as easy as, you know, you run this setup and it's gonna break the press hundred percent of the time. So I try to really share with them some other thoughts. But, you know, I did share that last night in terms of something that that you know helped my team uh to be successful. So I try to listen to what coaches want and share things out. And um, you know, I'm always kind of watching what other coaches share. I, I particularly like I said, Tony, I like what uh what you share through fast model. And I know that, um, you know, a lot of the different diagrams, I know you just shared out a a Celtics uh, set the other day that I uh, had my eye on. So I'm always trying to learn from great coaches like yourself and some of the other excellent coaches out there, you know, some who are even local to me that share, you know, great stuff. And I'd be happy to share some of those names out if, if, uh, if anyone's interested on, you know, who to kind of check in on or follow through Twitter.
0: I appreciate that. And you are doing a great job. So please do keep it up. I I benefit from it. So thank you very much.
1: Thanks, coach. Really, uh, really appreciate it. I appreciate your time too.
0: Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms. So your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast, no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.